The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Ball DFS Today podcast. Today is Thursday, August 29th, and it is also our very first installment of the DFS Today podcast. And we could not be more excited for the opportunity to talk and share and and uh, really dig through all of the fantasy uh, draft stuff and DFS information to uh, get you guys to championships in your leagues and big wins every night in the DFS world. Uh, I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am joined by one of the most respected NBA DFS guys in the industry, Mr. Mike Apatria. Mr. Apatria, how are you, sir? Coach, I think this is something we've both been waiting for, you know, Biting, clawing, trying to get, and we are here. We are going to be doing this, you know, once a week before the preseason, getting everybody going, fired up. And then, I mean, let's just talk about it, Joe. We're going to be doing this every single night once the season hits. We're going to be on top of this. It's exciting, man. I mean, I know you and I have been talking about this for months and, you know, preparing information. And and both of us are pretty active DFS players, and we both also play uh, you know, leagues, uh, annual and H, uh, head to head, etc. So this is going to be fantastic. I think, you know, uh, our approach is going to be different. Uh, we want to really differentiate ourselves in the industry. And again, a lot of time and, and preparation has gone into this, uh, with, with Dan Besbris at our hoop ball, uh, wizard behind the drapes guy and, 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 uh, Mike and myself, uh, and we really want to be unique to the industry. We want to uh, be able to share and strategize all kinds of different angles that are going to give you that specific edge that you need uh, you know, to be successful in DFS, regardless of the format, regardless of the site. So we'll be talking about all of that much more in depth. But uh, before we get started, I want to uh, talk about our sponsor that that is bringing this uh, really helped bring this to uh, fruition. And, you know, for these six shows prior to the beginning of preseason, uh, we're going to do a lot of strategy, really get down to the nitty gritty to get everybody ready uh, to crush uh, when it comes to the end, beginning of the season. And uh, so I'm just to, to give you the, the information on our, our uh, presenting sponsor, that those are our friends at Fantasy Draft and just very, very well respected in the industry and very appreciative that they've jumped on and uh, we look forward to a long-term relationship with them. Uh, fantasy Draft is the only rake-free daily fantasy sports site in the industry and I can vouch for that because I play on there every day and it is rake-free. Um, make sure to check out also, they have a rake-free $1 million contest coming up it's called the Hooters DFS Football Contest. Now, this is a big football uh, contest that they have coming prior to us launching our NBA stuff. They'll have all kinds of stuff going in the NBA as well. That contest is on September 8th. You can also 
jump into their rake-free contest that they have uh, this Thursday at 7 o'clock. Uh, Eastern time is when it closes, and they are giving away tickets to the Million Dollar Maker uh, rake-free uh, contest along with other prizes. And so also the, the, the great news is, is if you sign up at fantasydraft.com and use the promo code hoop-ball, that's H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, you got to put the dash in there, you receive one free week trial membership uh, where you can play up to $1,000 in complimentary rake-free DFS action. And I'll tell you, Mike, I don't know if you, you know, are real aware or have done that yet, but can you imagine playing rake-free dollar-for-dollar for for $1,000? Isn't that an awesome offer? If I could only tell you how awesome uh, rake-free playing is, it's it's the best thing that might happen in this industry in a long, long time. I mean, a lot of a lot of avid players like you and myself, we lose a lot of money to the rake on a yearly basis, a monthly basis, a weekly basis, however you want to say it, because I play a lot of volume of contests. Um, you bring that volume over to a site like Fantasy Draft, you're gonna you're gonna be happy with that rake free. Believe me, it's it's one of the best things I've ever seen happen to the business. Um, and I think we're gonna see a lot of these other sites follow suit eventually. But for now, we're gonna enjoy it over here on Fantasy Draft, baby. Absolutely, and don't forget uh, that promo code and uh, and go after it. So, all right. Um, a couple of things. I, I think you know the, the best way to start out, since this is our first podcast, uh, is, is maybe just to get to know uh, Mr. Apatry and myself a little bit and sort of what brought us here to this point and at this time in the DFS and fantasy basketball world. Um, Mike, do you want to give us uh, sort of your, uh, your story, if you can? Yeah, uh, definitely. It's it's not a very long one, uh, you know. So a lot of a lot of the people listening might already know. Um, you know, this this whole DFS podcast world started a little bit last season. I started joining Dan about once a week. Uh, we started doing our expert contests, and from there, it's kind of just grown and grown. I've been with Hoopball for this is going to be going on my uh, about three and a half seasons. I've been here, so I started about three and a half years ago. I started midway through the season now. Um, I love it here. I love all the guys I work with. It's it's a great group of guys. Um, I got a bachelor's from Southern Connecticut State University in sports and journalism, uh, and a little, you know little cognate and a BA in sports management over there as well. So I've always kind of been immersed into the sports world. I've worked for a few networks around here. I got to have my pleasure doing a couple of events, but um, I'm over here in Connecticut, so we don't have too many pro sports over here. So a lot of the stuff I had to do was college for you know UConn and that, but. Yeah, man, I've I've always been around the ball. Um, I played a little bit. Not, I wasn't ever very good. I mean, I don't have the the personal background like you over there, coach. That you're gonna get to this this guy over here. Wait till you guys hear who we got to coach against. It's it's one of the coolest things I've ever heard. So I'm just gonna pass it right on to you, coach, because at the end of the day, I think I think your stories are probably a little bit cooler than mine. Well, I don't know about cooler, maybe older. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'll t- let me say this, Mike. I, you know, when Dan and I started talking about doing a DFS show, uh, I said the only way I would do it is if Mike Apatria was going to be the co-host of the show. Because, you know, I, I have gotten to know you over the last eight or nine months pretty darn well. And we've talked a lot of DFS, a lot of NBA and man, I, you know, I know uh, a winner when I hear one and I really respect your opinions and your strategies. And I think uh, it's going to benefit our listeners tremendously. So 
I, I'm very appreciative that you decided to do this show with me, man. I'm just All glad, right. glad that I can, you know, have somebody that, like you said, we we bounce each other. So Coach and I, on any given night, when, we, when we're rolling our lineups out there, we would call each other, we would text each other, we would kind of, you know, spin ideas off each other. Uh, you know, he would tell me to play JaVel McGee versus Brooklyn. I would totally fade it and tell him it was a terrible idea and you should go Kuzma again. Um, and at that point, JaVel McGee would drop about 83 uh, fantasy points, so... We we have our yes. we have our moments back and forth that I just wanted to get that one out of the way because I had a feeling it's going to get brought up at some point uh, of the night I faded the massive JaVale McGee night. It it cost me so much that I still get a tear in my eye, but I still love you, Mike. And that was just <laughs> but you know what that, that's a, I'm so glad you brought it up because that's the other thing we're going to do differently on this show. We're going to be really honest, upfront, forward. We're going to tout our picks. We're not going to pick everybody at 8% on every team. You know, we're going to approach it from the fact of, you know, who do we really think is going to stand out and why, you know, and break all those reasons down. And then when we start, when we get into the regular season and we we start uh, and we're going each day, you know, at the beginning of each show, we're going to do a study of who were our main picks in our main lineup from the night before. Sometimes we'll be, you know, taking a home run trot and feel great about it. Sometimes we'll be able to discuss, you know, what went wrong, you know, where, why did this happen? You know, let's just figure it out so that we don't make that error again. So, you know, it's going to be, you know, sometimes extremely fun and sometimes a little painful, but that's the way we're going to learn and, you know, really bounce everything around so that we can uh, be the best that we can be. So we're not going to give any fluff and, and, uh, you know, it's going to be the real deal, and we're going to own up to, to everything that we uh, back. So, uh, yes, the JaVel McGee thing, uh, when you hear me uh, uh, re- uh, refer to Mike as JaVel McGee, that generally means I think he's full of it on that particular thing. So that'll be something we'll be able to have fun with uh, throughout until, uh, until I guess, uh, he gives me a winner. But uh, no worries. But let I'll, let me briefly get into my past a little bit. And again, obviously, uh, I'm a little bit older than Mike, just maybe a couple of months. But uh, now I've been around the game for a long time. I, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, I mean, I just uh, my dad uh, coached uh, some college basketball. I played at the high school and Division two level, and then I got into teaching and coaching, and. Uh, coached at Erie Cathedral Prep back in the day, coached there for 12 years, uh, won a a 5A state championship, uh, and then uh, retired after my very last game in 96, which was against Lower Marion and Kobe Bryant. And uh, you can look that up. It's some good information. We held Kobe to his lowest total of the year. Uh, I think, believe it was 16 points. And held the score to their lowest score in the entire four years Kobe was there. Uh, the game was was in the low 40s, upper 30s. So, you know, I had a lot of experience on that end. I loved it, the passion of it. I got out of basketball to get into the corporate world, which I've been in for years. And, uh, you know, but always had the passion for the NBA, followed it, played in leagues, and then the moment the DFS broke, I jumped in head first because just loved the aspect of it. Felt like I was coaching again because you're putting those squads together and strategizing in a similar type way. So uh, I've been involved with that 
you know, uh, from the beginning have had some really good success on the, on the NBA side. And, uh, really just, you know, again, that my background and, and what Mike and I talk about a lot is I love to look at trends. You'll see when, when we get into things more, uh, in depth is, you know, I like to look at the things like coaching rotations, you know, let's, you know, let's, I actually, you know, with the NBA ticket, watch as many games as possible. I'm looking from everything from, you know, when a coach takes a player out, how's he, you know, talking to that player, you know, who's, who looks like they may be slightly in the doghouse, who, who are they counting on for big shots, all of those, you know, game within the game type of things, you know, uh, that give you those small edges, rotations, pace, uh, and, you know, we'll talk about what we're going to talk about in the body of this episode is, you know, there's never been more of a year of needing to prepare than this year, because without question, I mean, I followed the NBA very, very closely since the, the my very first NBA game I went to with my dad in the mid 70s, the Buffalo Braves and Bob McAdoo. Uh, we're talking back in the day. And then, my, by the way, we started our first fantasy draft when I was a sophomore in high school. And on my first team was Larry Bird and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So, again, I'm not as young as Mr. Apatria, but I have lived through that stuff. So, anyway. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I got a question. Do you think, uh, do you think Kobe, Kobe would have had more points if he actually had some teammates on his high school team that worked as hard as him in practice? You think he would have, you know, maybe had 12, 12 championships like he said with Shaq? Dude, I, I'm telling you, that news, those two are hammering on each other again. I cannot believe it. That's so funny. But Kobe, I'll tell you, I never saw anybody through the years that I coached and watched the game uh, work like Kobe. I mean, anybody. I mean, I, I you know, totally res- I believe that, that Jordan and probably LeBron are the top two players that have ever played from what I've seen. Um, but as far as work ethic and dedication, and if I'm on the bench and I have everybody that's ever played the game and I need a shot to win it after experiencing firsthand Kobe, I'd go to Kobe. Um, you know, we, we got to, after that 96 season, I got to assistant coach on an AAU, uh, Pennsylvania all-star team and Kobe was on that team. So I got to see him in the gym for about four or five weeks. And it's no, you know, when people say, oh, he's the first in the Jiffers, I'm telling you, he was 30 minutes before anybody, and we had to force him to leave the gym. I mean, I've never seen uh, uh, just, you know, I, the tiger, go after Black Mamba, whatever you want to call it. But, man, he was fun to watch. And, and, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you, that is I, – I like to look for that little glimmer in players as you're watching. And those – you know, those things give you huge edges in the, in the DFS world. You know, you see a little bit of weakness or a guy that, you know, I and I'll start the controversy right off the bat. I love Steph Curry. He's one, he's the best shooter that's ever played. But let me tell you this. If, you know, if I'm in that huddle, I just don't know if he's always the guy in crunch, crunch, crunch time that I'd go to. So I'm, I just bring stuff like that up is because everybody can say, oh, Kobe's great. But I know I'm going to take a lot of heat for saying Curry sometimes isn't the, the gutsiest in that moment. But that's that's just a point to be made that that's how raw we're going to get on this show. We're going to talk about and, you know, debate and disagree and get listeners involved. 
to talk about all those kinds of things because really in the competitive world of fantasy and DFS, you know, it's a couple of buckets that make a difference. I mean, and everybody's looking at the same optimizers, the same analytics, the same projections from the sharks out there, but we want to approach it differently. I think, you know, this new way we're looking at everything and the way we're going to break it down. Yes, we're going to utilize those things that are making people successful in the industry, but we're going to give a new slice to all of that that I think everybody's going to really love. And you hit the nail on the head. And the bottom line is, in DFS, uh, there's always an edge to be had. Uh, there's always a way to one-up the field, to one-up your head-to-head, your GPP. There's always an edge. And when there's an edge, you need to find it. You need to look for it because every little advantage matters. And again, Coach hit the nail right on the head. We're going to we're going to be talking about things uh, anywhere from coach speak to guys traveling to the you know the cities where they're from, little things like that. Is I, I love to find those little edges because uh, you know getting a guy, have, knowing a guy's family, seventeen family members are going to be in the crowd on, a, on an away game that he's traveling to. Um, some stuff like that can actually really impact the game itself, and I love targeting those nights. Narratives, some narratives are just amazing, but we're also going to get right into the good art stats. We're going to get into just. The basic knowledge of rotations, minutes, um, you know, coach, coaches' anticipation, how they're going to leverage the rotations, their pace of plays. We're like you said, we're going to be getting to a lot of this, um, and I we we already got plenty to talk about in the off season. It's not, it hasn't been a boring off season. I know you know that. Oh, no doubt, man. There's no doubt, and and that really is a perfect lead into uh, what we wanted to uh, do on the first couple of shows here is. Uh, address those biggest moves that uh, took place in the offseason and how we initially believe they're going to affect the status of those players on the new teams that they went to. So we, we compiled a list of really the top 10 uh, biggest impact moves of the offseason that will affect DFS. And today we'll go over uh, number 10 through 6, and then next uh, Thursday, we will do uh, the top five. And then if uh, hopefully between now and then, we can also get some input from some listeners. Um, let's share this now so we do it again at the end so that people know how to contact us. Um, I'm at on Twitter, at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I, and you'll see parentheses coach. And, and Mike, how about you? Uh, you can just find me at my good old name, at Mike Apatria. Same thing, uh, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. Um, I'm always on the Twitter. I'm always tweeting a little bit here and there. So, uh, you know, you can always catch me on there. And I'm on there all the time as well. And, you know, any questions, uh, input, uh, you know, we want really to get a lot of involvement of our listeners, and we'll bring that into our show. So if there's some moves that we – Uh, didn't talk about or or you want to add to, please hit us up uh, uh, on Twitter. And you can also reach us at hoop-ball.com on the forums. We're always on there, uh, you know, uh, answering questions and doing stuff there. So with no further ado, let's uh, jump into the first first one on the list, and that's number 10. Pelicans received massive haul from Lakers in the Davis trade. So We want to talk here about the Pelicans and just get a little bit of an initial feel for uh, what we can expect. And and let me let me preface it by saying one thing, because I think this is is sort of the most important thing really to hit on right now is 
these next six shows are not going to be full of, you know, oh, wow, this guy's going to be great, you know, you know, steer from this guy, buffet this guy. It's not going to be that. We're going to talk about the real stuff. And with all of the booze and fantasy, if you if you stick with us, these six shows, we get through a bunch of this information, you're going to you're going to have a massive edge because DFS starts in the exhibition season and those first those first two or three weeks before the sites adjust the pricing, you know, they're confused. I mean, like, how do you factor in the first and third highest usage guy in Harden and Westbrook now being on the same team? How does that price out? How's it going to affect things? So just that for an example is let's grind some of this out and let's get you, you know, way ahead of the game before it, you know, barely starts. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have a lot of moves to talk about and understanding uh, how another team's rotation might be looking, how these minutes might be getting distributed heading into even the preseason or the regular season is going to give you that edge. It's going to allow you to have a, have a grasp and understanding on whether a guy might be overpriced or underpriced. And um, you might have heard me mention if, if you subscribe and uh, you know are a fan of our our hoopball yearly package, uh, you'll see I have a little DFS intro in there. And I, it's one of the first things I mentioned um, is that the opening night in this preseason are the easiest ways you can capitalize and take advantage of you know the fish in the sea if you're being a shark. There's, there's, there's plenty of avenues you could take. Um, and we're, it's, it's my favorite night of the year for DFS. It's just me looking at all those prices and just my mouth is watering, sal- salivating, just thinking, uh, wow, this guy should probably be about $3,000 more. And, and I know the price is going to be adjusted within the first three games of the season. So let me cash in on it now. No question about it, man. Well, why don't you give me a few thoughts on the Pelicans? Because it's going to be a very tough one to figure out. I mean, obviously, no one's had more moves than them. So what, what, do you, uh, what are some t- hot takes you got for us on the Pelicans, Mike? Well, I don't think it's anything that's going to be nuclear hot. I mean, last season, if we look at them, they they did manage to play at one of the faster paces, but they were also a complete dumpster fire and a garbage fire. Uh, we kind of knew where a lot of the usage was going to be coming, and now with you know Davis out, we didn't we kind of got to see what they looked like a little bit without Davis last year. Obviously, when he was sitting out, uh, but now they like you said, they have a massive haul back. They got they got a few players who are going to command some usage, who are going to command the ball. Uh, we're going to see a, like you know a lot more of just Drew Holiday only playing the two now. Um, we saw it a little bit last year. They would they would start a few other point guards alongside of him, but he's a, he's exclusively going to be a shooting guard now. So we're going to see a couple of his uh, assist numbers drop a little bit, uh, but we'll probably see a little bit of the scoring total go up uh, as well. But you know, I'm looking at the guys that we know. We like Lonzo Ball. He's a guy that we're going to have to keep an eye on for DFS because he could be a walking triple double. And those are those bonuses. And you know, maybe we should have touched on this a little bit earlier, but. Knowing knowing the scoring format of whatever website you're playing on is absolutely necessary. Some sites uh, might give you more for bonuses. Some sites don't give you anything for bonuses. And some might give you for more for blocks and steals as well. So knowing whatever site and the format that they're going to go by for their scoring totals is absolutely key. Uh, because guys like Lonzo Ball, guys that can get steals and get these you know triple doubles and double doubles, they're going to be greatly affected more than anybody else on that. And I, I do think uh, with the ball in his hands, uh, playing you know, close to 35, 36 minutes, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with when it comes into the assist, um, the rebounding categories. They're going to, you know, they added Derek Favors to the front court. Obviously, they drafted Zion. Um, but you know, neither one of those guys has ever, you know, I can't really speak on Zion too much, but 
the way he plays, he plays at a high energy. He's going to push the tempo. And for those kinds of players, we're going to see a lot of guard rebounds for both of them as well. So I'm going to be very high on keeping an eye on uh, Lonzo, you know, Ingram over there as well. Uh, I'm probably going to, you know, I've never really been a Ben Ingram fan. Um, I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's an amazing player. Don't get me wrong. But looking at DFS, I want guys that can get a lot of the counting stats. And if they're not going to get the counting stats, uh, put up 30 plus points in the actual scoring column. Two things I want to uh, touch on before I, I throw my Pelican stuff in is I think you made one of the most important points as well. And we're going to address that uh, in a couple of our episodes, probably, I believe, four and five of, you know, let's talk. Uh, we'll talk that time of the different sites, the point, the scoring systems, because, again, they're all different. Uh, there's bonuses for double doubles on some, some don't, uh, all kinds of different things. And there's also a tremendously different strategy, as I'm sure our, our listeners know. But we're going to break it down a little bit of, you know, who, how do you weigh uh, ownership and how does that work in a GPP situation compared to a cash game? And, you know, all of those factors come into play and we're going to break those out one by one because, you know, you've got di- people that play DFS and play it a hundred percent differently than the other guy, as far as what they're entering, how they're entering, how they're formulating their lineups what their strategy is. And what we're going to do is break that down in, in coming shows of, you know, making sure that whatever strategy you choose, that you're maximizing all of the ways that you can use that to your benefit. Because if you're playing, for example, uh, a GPP lineup that you also are going to throw into a big cash game you're doing, generally the way that those lineups are formulated are completely different and you're setting yourself up to lose. So, you know, we'll talk and go through those those little pieces that we've learned, you know, uh, not just from ourselves, but from s- some of the most respected players in the industry. And so I wanted to mention that because I think that was a fantastic point. And again, that's that next we're, we're peeling it back on a next level. On, you know, we're really trying to to take it to a completely different level of examining uh, how you can uh, be a, a champ in, in DFS. So. All right, Pelicans for me, you know, I think I love the fact that Elvin Gentry has always been an up-tempo coach wherever he's been, Suns, all through the years. He loves to push the ball. And I think, you know, having Lonzo and all these young legs with Ingram and, and uh, you know, it, they're just – they're going to be a, one of the higher-scoring teams, I think, in the league. So, you know, it's going to be a matter of us uh, when we, we start looking more and more at the Pelicans – you know, are we sold on Lonzo's shot? I mean, you know, his percentages were a little shaky for sure. So, you know, determining, you know, where he's at with his game and where that's going to fit into your lineups. Um, you know, everybody's touting Drew Holiday that, you know, this is his team. They've said that, um, you know, the, the GM and, and uh, coach have, have said he's the leader of this team. So, you know, he seems uh, he's a great two-way player. He defends terrific and, you know, could be setting up for a huge year. And then all the other pieces that they put together. I mean, it's going to be uh, this is going to be one of those teams that when we, we really start breaking out, you know, the positionality of it is we, we look to see because uh, you're going to have some hits and misses early on here, you know, of guys, um, you know, they're going to come out of the gate. 
even Zion. I mean, you know, we're, we have to, you know, we're not exactly sure the initial minutes or load that uh, they're going to put on him, you know, right out of the gate. So, you know, I think this is going to be one of those teams to circle and watch. But, you know, it was a massive move. I think, uh, man, I'll, it, it was the most – the biggest story to me of the offseason was at the end of last year, the Pelicans looked like the biggest dumpster fire in the history of the NBA. Davis wouldn't play. The crowd's booing. Nobody wanted to come to games. They, they just – everything was falling apart. The trade wasn't going to work. It was a nightmare. And then they hired David Griffin – who I have always really thought was underrated. I mean, he's a genius of the game. And they get the first pick with a 14% chance. They get the first pick. Then they pull off this trade and, you know, grab this, this boatload of young talent. You know, also got to see Jackson Hayes, another young guy that they drafted in the summer league, and he just blew me away. Uh, I mean, they're going to be absolute blast to watch. And I can't believe that you probably couldn't sell a season ticket at the end of last year for the coming year for the Pelicans if you were giving them, you know, $20, $25 a ticket. But now it's a hot ticket. So I'm excited for them. And I think as we go further, we'll dive in a lot, uh, lot more in depth with the Pelicans. Oh, yeah. They're going to be on everyone's league pass this season. Everyone's going to want to watch the – the tempo that they're playing at, they're gonna to want to watch Zion, uh, acrobatic dunks, you know, the Lonzo alley oops to them. It's it's going to be a fun team to watch. Um, they're definitely gonna be one of the ones I have on my league pass. So I'm gonna be keeping an eye on. Um, but I'm I'm curious on that opening night uh, exactly what Zion's price tag will be because it's like you said there there is a lot of offense on that team, but there's a lot of a lot of spots where that usage is gonna be as well. So. You know, if he's up there and then one of those elevated price tags, uh, he's going to be an attractive name. Everyone's going to want to play him just because of the name. It might be uh, something to keep an eye on going forward when you're looking into that, you know, first night, opening night, maybe a name to almost fade. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, a lot of it will depend on the pricing. But, you know, these national games uh, that are on TV, people always give a slight edge to being able to watch their guys if they don't have the ticket. And, you know, you can get some value and, and stuff we'll talk about in, in those areas going forward. But, yes, if there's anybody that's probably going to be a little overinflated price-wise uh, game one, I, I'm guessing it's going to be Zion as well. But uh, we say that, and I'll probably come out and throw a 2020 on the board first game. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that had to be the biggest, uh, you know, trade of the offseason, possibly. I mean, there's a few other ones that we're going to talk about that may have a little bit more impact, but... There's got to be a big sign and trade that we have to talk about as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I was going to say, and I, I think the, the news with D'Angelo Russell going over to Golden State is going to send ripples to the DFS world. They have another shooter, uh, another ball handler. It's, it's a different aspect that they actually haven't had on their team before. I mean... Yes, he's not Clay Thompson. Obviously, he's not Kevin Durant, but he does something that neither one of those guys can do, and that's you know dribble out the clock a little bit where Steph Curry can get free. Um, how do you think you know D'Angelo Russell going over to Golden State? How do you think this is going to impact the the value? Like we saw D'Angelo Russell really break out last year and be a, a fourth quarter monster and a DFS monster. A lot of I've had a few big nights where he's low owned uh, because of his boomer bust capability. And if you get him on those nights where he booms, you could really be counting some money. 
No doubt about it, man. And and you're right. And that is our number nine. Warriors uh, land D'Angelo Russell and Durant sign and trade. So you're on all over it, Mr. Apatria. Um, also, let uh, we've got a quick take uh, from D'Angelo uh, that we wanted to share with you when he was interviewed uh, about uh, when he got traded and what his future looks like with the Warriors. Hey, D'Angelo, with how your career has grown, what do you kind of foresee yourself with Golden State in the foot? Honestly, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited more than anything. Um, I think it's a, a huge opportunity, you know, just to take another step, you know, and, and learn from a good group of guys that have, you know, done, that marked their way in this career, I mean, in this, in this league. So I'm super excited. How do you view a backcourt tandem with you and Steph? I think it's uh, it's something that you know you you got guys that that they can shoot, dribble, and, and and play make for others. That's a that's a dangerous you know combo. And then a guy like him that that gets hot any time throughout the game, you it's something that you know it's gives you an advantage throughout the game. I would say so to add another guy that could possibly do that consistently. I think that's just you know a, you know an extra you know piece. Awesome, man. And I'll tell you, he sounds like he is focused and ready to attack uh, the game with with Curry in the backcourt. I think uh, it is going to be a blast. And then when they get Clay back, can you imagine, uh, you know, that firepower from the from the perimeter? Good Lord. They're going to be a fun team to watch. and People are counting them out, and I, I just can't for, for the life of me understanding it. Uh, they still have Draymond. They still have the best shooter of all time. They're, you know, Steve Kerr, an amazing coach. Th- this team, uh, they added, they even added these small, small ancillary pieces being like, you know, Willie Cauley-Stein, guys that other teams just threw away. Um, that's my favorite thing to see from a good coach and a good organization is taking other people's scraps, other, te- other people that teams have given up on and really getting the best out of them. Because at the end of the day, uh, you know, a guy like Willie Cauley-Stein, you know, after what's, I guess you could say, been an underwhelming career so far. Uh, in limited minutes over there in Sacramento, going over to a place like Golden State, you really appreciate playing for a winning team, playing for a winning culture, and a winning coach. That can really get the best out of a player. So, um, And now with a few of their centers out of the picture, you know, unfortunately, uh, Boogie Cousins, you know, we're, we're going to probably touch on him plenty of times throughout the season. And, uh, you know, over here at Hoopball, we're always wishing a guy like that a speedy recovery. I mean, I can't, I can't remember the last time I've seen a guy go from such utter dominance to just just injury after injury after injury and fighting back and trying to claw his way back into, you know, just getting out, staying on the court, you know, trying to earn a, a minimum contract almost at this point. It's, it's unfathomable how fast that's happened to him. And, you know, we just want to see this guy get back on the court and be as close to what he used to be as possible. Yeah. It's a sad story. And now he's got some other issues personally that uh, have come out just in the last few days. So, yeah, uh, Godspeed to him, man. He's got a lot of things to deal with. But uh, but as far as, you know, D'Angelo and, and his role with the Warriors, I mean, I, you know, when the trade first came down, everybody just thought that was going to be, okay, they're going to move D'Angelo in another trade. And then all of a sudden, you know, you hear all the chatter of, wait a minute, this, you know, these, these they're going to play these guys together. And it just, uh, it's created a lot of buzz. And I don't know if you listened closely in that interview. It was funny, but when, when they asked D'Angelo a question about the Warriors, he, he instead of team, he used the word Curry and then corrected himself. And it was like, I mean, he had, 
I think he is just ecstatic to play with Curry. I mean, I watched D'Angelo with the Lakers, and he was not – I don't know how to put it in a in a, a real gentle way, but he seemed to have a bit of a attitude. Uh, let's put it that way. But when he, you know, I think going getting traded to Brooklyn and having to reset himself and refocus, uh, I saw a completely different guy last year, especially the second half. He was a team player. He was a motivator. He was a leader. So uh, you know, to go to, I mean, you can't blame him. He was he, he was picked. 19 years old from Ohio State, second pick overall in L.A. I mean, I, I'm sure at 19 I'd have the same issues. But uh, I'm just – it was wonderful to see just the maturation process of how he's turned it around so quickly. And now that he gets to be under Curry's wing, I mean, I that's a guy I'm just super high on. I think it's going to be a blast. And I agree with you. Uh, I do not want to tangle with the Warriors and Draymond and those guys with a chip on their shoulder feeling disrespected. They are not out of it. Not even close. And, uh, you know, one thing, last thing maybe we'll touch on with Russell is um, you hit the nail on the head with the age and, the and you know, that being a factor. And he's kind of always played on younger teams. He, he, believe it or not, as young as he is, uh, he was looked at, even when he was a Laker, 19 years old, he was looked at to be – uh, almost like a leadership role because he was a second overall pick on a rebuilding team. A lot was expected from him. Same thing when he went over there and played in Brooklyn. And he immediately had to step up and be that guy for that team. And he was still at a young age doing so, you know, 22 years old, 23 years old. And so, you know, now he's playing with guys that are a little bit older, guys that have won a championship, guys that have, you know, they have an established chemistry. It's not, it's no, you're not going into like a Brooklyn Nets situation where he's going to build that dynamic and build that team chemistry and be the, you know, the franchise player over there. You know, he it's, it's get with it or get lost. Now, when you go to golden state, you, they are, they have a method that's working. It worked for them in the past. So it will continue to work. So now Russell's going to have to kind of culture, get into their culture. And that's going to be huge for him. Um, I'm, you know, I'm going to be expecting obviously a little less on the usage. Um, the scoring will probably take a little bit, a little bit of a hit, but I'm really not expecting as big of a hit as a lot of people probably would now that he's going to be playing in Golden State because he's going to be playing at a much faster pace on Golden State than I think he was when he was playing in Brooklyn. I agree, and I think a lot more is going to be expected until Clay comes back. I think, you know, again, you know, this is one of those DFS scenarios where it's going to, you know, really be interesting to see the pricing, but based on the usage, you know, and what uh, the pace of play that that Warriors have always played at, you know, I have no problem rostering a D'Angelo and a, a Steph Curry early on uh, in the season if the pricing is is reasonable because I think they're going to carry uh, a massive load for that team for sure. Oh yeah, and I mean, let's factor in we we were shied away from that for the past few years, and it was because of Kevin Durant. Uh, you know, it's hard to play, you know, let's say Clay Thompson and Steph Curry in the same lineup when Durant is on the court as well. That's a ton of usage. Uh, Durant gone, there's still enough usage where you can get away in DFS with playing, um, you know, a D'Angelo Russell, Steph Curry lineup. It doesn't seem like it would be, I guess, you know, the, the best correlating lineup necessarily because they will eat into each other's value slightly. Uh, obviously, you want to try to just hit the best scores from every team with, you know, good counting stats and you know, at the end of the day, you'll have a great lineup, but uh, we've, we've, we'll talk, we're going to get into game stacks, we're going to get into kind of playing these correlating plays, and we're also going to talk about 
uh, you know, trying to get some loner, lower owned guys in there just so we can get our edge that way. So, you know, on the nights where people are going to only want to play one of those guys, you can get a small, small advantage by getting them both in there and just hoping that the Warriors go off for one of their 127 point nights. And if they do, uh, the lefty's going to have to have a lot to do with it. Well, it's, I mean, when you get that edge, like I had that one day with a, a 1% owned JaVale McGee in my solo lineup. Oh, I'm sorry. We, I, I don't want to bring that up. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, hey, JaVale McGee, who needs the 80, the 80? I can't even remember the stats yet. I remember it was at least 20, 20, 26 and 21 <laughs> with six, six blocks. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, uh, that will go down. Uh, people is one of the worst beats I've had because I swear I could not tell you how many times I was like, you know, Kuzma is back. They're gonna go oh. small ball. There's no way. And uh, I didn't. I didn't mean to ruffle your feathers. Man. And I <laughs> no, did. that's the edge to be had because it's just, it's, it's etched in my brain. That's I all. I could promise you I wasn't the only expert out there that was probably thinking very similar. And I'm sure there was other experts out there that were right on your side as well. So it's always good to get both of those angles, and that's why we're here. Um, you know, we both have two slightly different styles of play. We both kind of play two different types of games. So we want to be able to help everybody. On in every aspect for all their for all their DFS needs, not just the guys that are loading up 150 contests into the GPPs, and you know, not just the guys that are playing one lineup in a four dollar head to head. Uh, we're here yeah, for everybody, so absolutely. And and we want to have different opinions, and and when we agree, it's going to be great. And when we don't, you know, we, we're going to let you make those decisions out there. And and that's you know, to me, it's it's laying it all out. Uh, you know giving you our best advice, but ultimately giving you the tools to make the best decisions. So we'll, we'll keep talking on that. So let's jump to the next one. It's number eight is Celtics sign Kemba Walker. And uh, I'll start off on that one. Cause I've been uh, a big backer and follower of the team USA. I've always enjoyed, uh, you know, rooting for team USA through the FIBA championships and obviously, you know, the Olympics and, and everything else. So I followed them very closely. I, I know that the news mainly on the USA team has been about who's not playing rather than who is. But, uh, you know, Kemba is stepped up and taken a leadership role, is the best player on that Team USA team. Uh, they open on Sunday, so uh, three days from now uh, in pool play in the FIBA championships. So I wish Kemba the best in USA in, in that uh, endeavor. But, you know, this being part of sort of, uh, I think, also the, the maturation process of Kemba Walker. I mean, he's always been on a bad team uh, in Charlotte. You know, we knew he was a winner because of his uh, ability to win a national championship at Connecticut and his just the way he uh, carries himself out there on the floor. And uh, I think, you know, this USA experience, being able to play for Coach Pop, uh, coming into a Boston situation where sort of everything fell apart a little bit uh, from what they were planning on doing, and now uh, putting the ball in his hands, I think is going to be terrific. I think that uh, I think we're going to see a really good, consistent season out of Kemba. I think that uh, Coach Stevens, now that he's got Kyrie out of the way and that whole mess that they had there last year. Will be able to coach to a level that you know I we've all seen him capable of coaching uh, to, and I think Campbell will be a perfect fit for that. You know, it, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, it's 
it's similar to what the Isaiah Thomas uh, situation was when he came in and he blew up all the stats. Um, you know, and I see that and I get it. Uh, I think Kemba is a little stronger full game than, uh, than Isaiah uh, based on assists and, and defending a little bit better, etc. So I think he's a guy uh, definitely put a circle around. Again, he may be a guy because of all the you know, hoopla surrounding him that may be priced higher initially, but uh, you know, something we're going to have to really look at because there are, you know, there is a lot of usage with, with uh, you know, Irving and, and Horford and, and guys that have left the team and still waiting for Tatum and, and uh, some of the other younger guys to step up. But uh, you know, all in all, I've got Kemba circled, as as a guy that I'm looking at early on, what about you? Uh, I think you touched on something that is a great point, and it's the fact that how similar their games are. But yeah, obviously they're very different. Um, one thing I like to point out is that they're both excellent for fourth quarter scorers. A lot of their value that you'll find on DFS nights, you'll be you'll be rostering Kemba Walker of 27 points going into the fourth quarter, and I'll finish with 52 uh, for DraftKings or for FanDuel, or Fantasy Draft, wherever you may be playing. These guys can score in the fourth quarter. And now we're seeing Kemba Walker play on a better team. So we're going to see, you know, yes, the Boston team is like looks like it's in shambles after losing, you know, Kyrie, Horford, a lot of major pieces. But they're still better than what he was dealing with over there in Charlotte. They're going to be more competitive, which is going to give Kemba the opportunity to play more in the fourth quarter. A lot of the times if Kemba Walker didn't hit his value, it was because he only played 28 minutes on the night. They were getting blown out by the fourth and there was no point to put him back in there. Um, and now we're going to be able to see him close these fourth quarter games out. He's going to be the guy taking the final shot on the team. Um, I, I think the only downside we would have to, and you know, maybe it's a devil, devil's advocate saying it, is if Kemba is maybe a little bit shot shy for the first few weeks, maybe a month uh, into the regular season, playing on a new team, trying to get adjusted with these younger guys, trying not to uh, assert his dominance as much as he was able to in Charlotte where he knew at the end of the day, I'm the only guy that's able to score on this team. He was, you know, playing alongside Cody Zeller, Marvin Williams, uh, guys like Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, the couple of rookies over there. So it's it's a big, big difference in the situation, and I think that's the most important thing that you have to talk about with Kemba is we know he can score the rock. We know he has one of the most killer crossovers and step backs in the game. He can attack the rack and get to the rim anytime he wants. Um, but now he has more minutes and a better availability to do so on a better team. So we're going to see a little bit more, I think, of a higher minutes total from him. And um, as once he gets comfortable, the shot total should just correct itself. And, yeah, I think we're going to see some big games out of Kemba going forward. And it's a perfect situation over there in Boston. And they're happy to have him. They love him over there in Boston. Great points for sure. And I, and I think it's a big advantage that he gets to play with three of his mates uh, on Team USA. There's four, four uh, Celtics on that squad. And so that's... As far as, you know, they're going to have a big jump start on chemistry together uh, prior to the season. Just something else to take a note on. You know, a lot of people have a tendency coming out of the Olympics or FIBA to fade guys early on because they figure they're tired. Because let's face it, it's uh, FIBA World Championships and two weeks before the preseason games start. So, yes, those guys are going to be, you know, I, I think what you'll see with those guys is a little more tired uh, aspect of them toward the end of the season. But I, I think early on, it may, may be the opposite of what people are going to do in fading them is I think they're going to be sharper and their chemistry 
especially with those four playing together is going to be something that we need to also keep in mind. So excellent, man. Um, before we jump to number seven, I want to give another quick shout out to our presenting sponsor uh, because they are the ones that allow us to bring this free content out there and share with you guys. And uh, that is Fantasy Draft. And uh, go to fantasydraft.com, uh, look at for the and sign up with the promo code hoop ball, and you receive one free week trial membership where you can play up to $1,000 in complimentary rate-free DFS. And take advantage of that, man, because I'm telling you, the rake adds up like you would not believe. And if you get that opportunity to make a good chunk of money on the front side without paying any rake, uh, it's fantastic. So we thanks, uh, big thanks again uh, to Fantasy Draft uh, for, for help bringing this uh, uh, to us. I also want to say a thank you to you know, just our, our hoop ball team, uh, Dan Bespris especially. Uh, I mean, man, he is just behind the scenes working his tail off, uh, helping bring this whole thing together. And uh, Red Circle, who we're, we're utilizing, that's that's really pushing out all of our podcasts to everywhere. And and I'll mention that now as well as our. You can listen to this hoop ball uh, DFS Today podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeart, Spotify, YouTube, pretty much everywhere podcasts can be found. So we ask you to jump on there, you know, wherever suits your fancy, and whatever one it is, subscribe, like, give us five stars, anything you can to help us promote this podcast and get some momentum as we approach the season. You know, Our goal is to be able to do these shows, dig in deep, and create – a lot of free contact that's going to uh, content that's going to help you guys make a lot of money and be successful and enjoy uh, playing some DFS. So, all right, man, that gets uh, the plug set, and we will jump to number seven. 76ers received Josh Richardson in the Butler sign and trade. What do you got, Mike? Uh, this is going to be a fun team to watch. I'm a big, big Josh Richardson fan, and it's not from a DFS span, uh, standpoint. I actually hate playing him in DFS. Um, it's more or less from just an actual basketball standpoint. The guy's very good at basketball, uh, very good defender, um, You know, can spot up, take a three. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's an unbelievable player, and he's somebody I've always had my eye on since he came into the league, but uh, his role is going to be drastically different over there in Philly than it was in Miami. Um, you know, we're not going to see him handling the ball as much uh, because now, I mean, it's it's going to be the Ben Simmons show over there with the ball. Uh, and now with vice versa, with Butler gone, it's going to allow Ben Simmons to be that primary ball handler, uh, solidifying his value even a little bit more in DFS and regular seasons with the assist total. So um, as far as Josh Richardson, we're going to start, we're probably going to see him come in at a little bit of an elevated price tag uh, if it's anywhere according to what it was in Miami. And with the, with the new usage total, with Horford over there, Embiid obviously commanding a lot of that usage down low. Uh, Tobias Harris is going to be playing a lot of the, the three now as well. Um, and he's going to be the best three-point shooter on the team, and it won't even be close. So it's going, it's going to be hard for Richardson to come across some of these shots that he was seeing in Miami. Uh, but, I mean, if this, if this team could stay healthy, that's a mean starting five when you just look at it on paper. And and I'm with you. As a basketball coach, I'm ecstatic to have Josh Richardson on my team because he's a elite defender. I mean, we're talking all NBA-level defender, and he, he just has so much athleticism. 
As far as DFS, I, I doubt I, right from now I can tell you that I'm not going to be taking Josh Richardson hardly ever because I just don't see uh, the usage being strong enough on such a great team. And I don't think his percentages and the role that he'll fill are going to be something that's going to be real conducive to be a, a high point DFS score. Now, I think, you know, you pick your spots when we find a matchup that's going to be something that he can take advantage of, then definitely. But, you know, I watched a lot of Heat games last year, and he was the go-to guy the majority of the time. When every big shot, you know, if Wade wasn't in the game to take a shot at the end, it was him taking the shot. And I don't think that that's going to be the case at all in Philadelphia. I think he'll help them terrifically, and I think that he'll be uh, a big part of Philly's success, and I think they're going to have a great season. But as from a DFS standpoint, um, you know, I think that that's a guy that you're going to have, you know, really look at fading unless something tra- changes uh, going into the year. And then just to touch really quickly on the other side of it, even though it's not as much part of this, but the, the Butler – uh, aspect since we just discussed it that way, I think flips to the other scenario. I think with Wade retiring and Richardson moving on and knowing the system that Spolster and Riley uh, run at Miami and how they like to feature certain people and they got Whiteside the heck out of there. And I think Butler's going to just blow up, man. He is a guy that I have five circles around for fantasy because I think, you know, you've got a happy Butler. He's in a place where he wants to be for the first time in a long time and he is going to be the man and he's going to get the big shot so uh that's that's a guy on the other side of the spectrum that i'm going to be jumping on early yeah that's a good point and uh you know touching back on josh richardson this doesn't mean you can't play josh richardson ever because as as i said i i never liked to play him but the nights I would play him is when he was going to take on a little bit more of a ball handling responsibility. And on the days on games where if Ben Simmons rests or sits out, uh, he will probably be one of the primary ball handlers for that team. So in that kind of circumstance, that's the time where you might want to jump on him because we're going to be seeing uh, that lower or decreased price tag from the regular season usage of playing with Ben Simmons when we can take advantage of that price tag when a night that he misses because uh, where he's going to see a, a huge, huge usage tick uh, with when he's handling the ball. Great point, brother. Great point. All right, the last one uh, for for this show, number six, is the 76ers sign Al Horford. And uh, let's jump on a clip real quick. And uh, there was a great question asked to Al Horford about the uh, his excitement about being able to play with Joel Embiid. So let's let's listen into that real quick. How much did your battles with Joe really play into any uh, decision to want to come here? Um, well, I, I think I, I've said this in the past. I've always been a fan of, of, of Joel and um, just everything he brings uh, on the court and off the court. And, uh, you know, uh, um, there were some great battles. Um, and, and when this opportunity came along and the possibility of, you know, teaming up with him, um, you know, got me really excited about the potential you know how how good we can be help our team be defensively um you know just get to working together um and uh and you know do some special things so um i'm very grateful you know to be in this position awesome man and and as you can hear right there al horford is 
really has a great mindset for this team. And I cannot wait to see him out there on the floor with, with Joel Embiid and Harris and this team. I think that, uh, I think that was a great signing for Philly. And, you know, from the DFS side, you know, I've heard some rumblings and, and some touts out there saying they think that, that Horford is going to affect Embiid's value and numbers. And I, I'm from the exact opposite school of thought because I believe uh, Horford is going to make Embiid a better player. I, you know, Horford's going to stay away from the basket. He's going to let Embiid still own the paint. He's going to create spacing that Embiid didn't always have in, in certain scenarios. And I think he's going to teach him to be even a better defender to the point where, you know, he's going to be maybe the top or one of the top shot blockers uh, in the league. And I think this, this mixture is going to be fantastic. Now, uh, you know, how is Horford's statistics going to pan out? You know, he was a hit or miss guy in DFS last year. I mean, even with Boston in, in those roles, there were times where, you know, I would take Horford and he was awesome and times where he'd be terrible. So, you know, it's going to be, I think he's going to be one of those guys where we have to see what type of exact rotation minutes wise, you know, they may try to be a little bit more cognizant of the minutes. I think uh, at times last year when he was overused, he ended up having to sit and, and take some load management games. So I think, you know, uh, Embiid's the guy to put a circle around just based on what Horford is saying and the way that, that he understands that, you know, this is sort of Embiid's team. And uh, I think it's going to be a great thing for him. Absolutely. And the biggest thing of it is it's an insurance factor for Embiid. And it's going to be an insurance factor on DFS as well. Uh, they don't want to play Embiid 82 games. That is literally the last thing that the 76ers would like to do. And now that they have the option to rest him and have a, a very, very comparable center come in, um, one that is experienced, one that knows his role, that, you know, this is the first time in, I maybe I think since early in his career, that we're going to be seeing Al Horford play his natural position of power forward. Uh, he was never naturally a center. So now having the opportunity, you know, to start at the four, and also play some backup five when Embiid needs a break and to get him in there. And like I'm, I'm looking at him when Embiid sits out because, let's be real, Horford's not a guy that's going to be able to get a ton of rebounds on any given night, especially if Embiid's on the court. That's never been a huge part of his game. He's usually been around that you know seven to eight mark uh, for his averages. But I think now he's going to have a little bit more of an opportunity when Embiid needs to sit because he's going to be one of the key cogs for that offense. A lot of the offenses we, we'd see in Boston would run through him. He's a very good passer out of the post. Um, so he's a guy that I'm very excited for, just not for DFS unless Embiid's sitting. It's going to be, as we talk about all of these teams, you know, very seldom are, is, has there been this much player movement of, of main guys in the league. I mean, everybody knows that. But how it affects all of the other uh, you know, how all the dominoes fall as far as usage and minutes and rotations. Uh, that's what we really need to start examining because, you know, there may be guys that, uh, you know, that, that are, were selling short initially and guys that, that will take a little bit more of a backseat. So, you know, this is one of those situations where we can really scour it out and figure it out. But, you know, some of it's going to be uh, a little bit of a wait and see to see how they produce. Absolutely. And, you know, it's while it's a wait and see, 
Um, that's that's what a lot of people. That's the approach a lot of people are going to take. So that's why we're talking about it now. We want to. We're gonna, we're going to have to wait and see on a lot of it. But the more the better understanding we can have on the situation heading into it, that's our edge. I, I said it off the beginning of the podcast. Having an edge in every single way, finding every single edge. You know, even if it comes down to the the narratives of childbirth. We we've seen we've seen guys capitalize the day after they have a, a child. It's insane. The little things that you can do to get an edge in here, uh, you could really run away with. And I'll tell you one thing, Coach. And, and when you win off of a crazy edge like something like that, it's one that you never forget. You'll have it circled in, on your on your calendar. You'll have your reminders set in your phone. Uh, everything to remind you of that exact same situ- uh, situation and scenario, uh, because you want to catch that lightning in a bottle once again. So. Um, we're going to be keeping an eye on it, and it, it seems something like small, um, you know, Horford being great when Embiid is out, but, you know, maybe just talking about it now might set off that light bulb for when the situation does happen, because on a loaded 12-game slate, it's easy to overlook things like that. You know, there's going to be plenty of other center options or power forward options, and it's it's a very easy thing to overlook, and we're just trying to capture and kind of circle those dates on our calendars as much as we could now and trying to help you guys out by having, you know, getting you guys to kind of have a good understanding of what things to look out for long before they happen. Absolutely. And and those edges, you know, not not just, you know, yes, the narratives for sure, but watching, you know, different things at ends of games when people aren't watching. Who gets in that took advantage of that last two or three minutes at the end of an 18-point game. You know, who stood out, who earned a few extra minutes from the coach. Uh, Michael attests to this. I had a a pretty massive win uh, last year towards the end of the season, and it was because of these kinds of things. I had seen DeLon Wright play for the Grizz, and just he he looked like he was taking his game to another level and was about to – just, you know, really make a statement. And uh, I plugged him in a lineup one night. And again, I think he was three, 4% owned. And uh, Chris, Chris Wood, Christian Wood, that was with the Pelicans at the time, during all of that insanity, insanity of, you know, Okafor was playing a little bit, AD wasn't playing, you know, and I saw his athleticism. I remember watching him blow it up in summer league and plugged him in and he was at, it said 0% ownership. So between zero and 1%. And those two guys both went for like 45, 50 fantasy points each. So you get guys like that with small ownership at small cost, and then you can layer them in with the Hardens that obviously, you know, puts up his normal 50 point 10 assist game that he did a bunch of times. And, you know, all of a sudden you've got a big DFS score and, if you remember, I, I tried not to take too much of a home run trot, but I, I think I shared that that snippet of a screen with you, Mike, uh, on that win. I, I actually do remember it, and I can I can 100% tell you, if there was a night that Christian Wood went off, I probably had some shares of him. I am a huge – like, we're going to touch on this in probably one of the – maybe the third or fourth episode once we start to get into our actual strategy a little bit more. And I'm a big point-per-minute guy, and both of those guys you named, Christian Wood and DeLon Wright, have always been massive point-per-minute producers, just never had the opportunity for the minutes. And that's one thing that you need to know and keep an eye on is what those guys, when they have that opportunity, that is when you jump on it. Because it only takes uh, these major these major DFS sites 
you know, a day or two for to, to price enforce these guys. And before you know it, you, you could be jumping on the train when you're supposed to be jumping off. And that's why we want you guys to have an understanding. And those two guys, you know, Christian Wood's going to be over there in Detroit now. Um, if Andre Drummond is to miss a game and Christian Wood sees 25 minutes, he's going to be dirt cheap and he's going to be a guy I'm going to plug and play in a lot of my lineups. And it's just a fact. When the guy is on the court, he scores DFS points. He may not be the best player on the court. I'm not saying he's an amazing, you know, world-class center that, because otherwise we wouldn't have seen him get, you know, traded and released from about three or four different teams in the past few years. But when he's on the court, there's no doubt about it. He puts up stats and that's what we're worried about in DFS. You know, we're not necessarily worried about if this guy's going to win a championship, he's going to be an MVP contender, uh, whatever that may be. But we want the stats on that night and then the next slate, it's a whole new game. Uh, we got to forget about everything else. We got to break it everything down again. But he is a fantastic point per minute producer, and so is Delon Wright. He's a guy I'm really excited to see play over there in Dallas. Um, I think we both are. Uh, I, I don't know if I ever kind of told you this, Coach, but I try to keep my my fan base out of my decisions and everything. But I've been a diehard Dallas fan, uh, and it was basically because of Dirk and a little bit of Nash. That's basically what got me into the love of basketball. Um, I love watching. I love watching the Mavericks, and he's one guy I'm very excited to see play alongside of Luca. To your point there, what is the saying that I told you the first time about when we talked about DFS? What's my little saying that I motto I live by? Oh, you're you a remember? big you're a big uh, minutes equal money kind of guy. There you go. You're minutes equal minute, money. You're a big minutes equal money and it's exactly I knew that. You have it. You're oh, right, of course, dude. Of course. When in doubt, give me the minutes, you know? I mean, that I agree. I mean, I it, it's unbelievable to me that that people will pay a top dollar for a guy that's playing 16 to 18 minutes when, you know, you can take a guy that's, you know, maybe not nearly as good of a player, but that's going to log 30, 35 minutes. I'm telling you in the long run minutes equal money in the NBA, because you're going to be on the end of a, uh, you know, the ball could bounce anyway to you for a rebound or for, you know, you, you're going to pass the ball to somebody that makes a shot. It's different than other sports, you know, sports specific to like baseball and and football, you know, it's performance for that one person. But if you get the opportunity out there in basketball, it's so fast moving and there's so many different things churning, you're going to get some points just by being on the court. So, you know, we'll talk about that'll be one episode uh, when we're we're talking strategy and and, uh, you know, some people disagree with that. But I'm telling you. I have seen it over and over. You find those guys, you know, like those two nights. Yeah, you know, why did Wooden Wright play so well that night? Well, they both played like 30, 35 minutes. They just both got big minutes and they did produce. But, you you know, you can't produce if you're only playing uh, 10, 12 minutes in those scenarios. So you're right, man. You are right on the money. Um, all right. Well, we got through our top five. Uh, or. 10 through 6. Uh, next Thursday, we'll be back with our second installment, and we'll go through the uh, the top uh, five biggest moves and then sort of set uh, the playing field for the next four shows where uh, we'll give everybody an idea of, of sort of what we're going to do uh, show by show and how, you know, we tried to give you a little bit of 30,000-foot view into it today, but uh, we'll start breaking it down so that everybody – you know, can, can really join in. And, and again, we, you know, we're all about, uh, we're going to be brutally honest all the time, like I say, and we're going to review our lineups the next day. And, 
you know, we're in this together. We're looking to, we want uh, to help all of you do as well as you possibly can, win as much as you possibly can, and have a great time doing it. And I think that if you keep all of those things in mind, um, you know, please flood us with information, you know, questions, um, anything that, that you have that you want us to share on the show. Um, just real quickly again at Twitter, uh, on Twitter, I'm at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I, and at Mike Apatria, we, we, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A, right? You got it. I mean, All right. every other teacher I've ever had probably butchered that. Um, fun fact, actually, before we go, even the DMV butchered it. I mean, I don't think I spelled it wrong, but my license is actually spelled wrong. I don't know if I can get away with uh, any sort of like murder with that, you know, looking for the wrong guy kind of thing. But oh, no, you're kidding. I'm not How do you get away it. with that at the airport? Uh, I, I have my passport is right. It's crazy. It's it's only like that on my license. It makes absolutely no sense. And I keep, you know, I keep saying I'm going to go take care of it. But I've never actually completely ran into an issue where I've been forced to have to go take care of it. It almost happened when it, when it came to buying my new car, um, which, hint, hint, DFS winnings work. Um, <laughs> so when I was getting my car, they, they said the same thing. I oh, said, we ran your we ran your credit, and it doesn't look like you have any. And I said, well, did you, did you use the one on my license? Because that's not how you spell my name. Um, and that was a weird look I got when I was at the dealership. But Oh, my God. <laughs> now that, that is unbelievable. You need to get that fixed, brother. But uh, all right. Well, I, I mean, do you have any last thoughts that you wanted to share before we uh, sign out? You know, we want to keep the show about an hour so that it's you know, got a lot of value for everybody, but, you know, isn't too much too quick. Um, no, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, man. I think we're ready to go. I'm pumped up. I'm I'm fired up to get this going with you. I just want to say a big thank you, like again, to everybody over at Fantasy Draft, everybody over here at Hoopball. Uh, you know, Dan and Brew have been completely supportive of this. You know, helping us get this set up, working with us. Uh, you know, they want to see this be successful just as we, much as we want to see it be successful. And uh, you know, thank you for everybody who's kind of stuck with us along the way. And you know, everybody that was joining those uh, DFS expert contests last year. If you guys have any sort of feedback, hit us with it. We want to make this as user gauged as possible. We want you guys to be uh, engaged. We want you guys to be attentive. We want to make you guys better because uh, you know, at one point, you know, years and years ago, before I got into the big you know fantasy world and became a writer and a podcaster, you know, I was a guy who listened to the podcast too, and I just always have those thoughts of. How, how can I make this better? I wish they did this a little bit differently. I wish they, you know, touched on that just a little bit more. And uh, we want to give the people what they want, I think, right, Coach? We want to give them what they want. I, I am I am with you, man. And I also want to thank, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Bruski and Dan Bespris, who are Hoopball, uh, for giving me this opportunity and Mike and I this forum to to go out there and, and uh you know, really build this with you guys and, and just really thankful for them. And also, you know, obviously to Fantasy Draft for jumping on. Uh, you know, it's it's it always takes a leap of faith when you're doing something new and putting something new out there. And, and we've had a, a great team and great support. So uh, thank you to them. Also, you know, want to thank you listeners. Uh, you know, thank you for listening to the first Hoopball DFS Today podcast. And, uh, you know, uh, we hope you'll join us again uh, next Thursday. Uh, again, that, that show will probably air mid-morning uh, that day as well. Uh, and, you know, 
the, the motto I want to leave you with is, is something that I've always stood by in, in coaching and in all the stuff I've done in, in basketball and in DFS as well. Uh, and it's success occurs when opportunity meets preparation. I'm sure everybody's heard that one. But, you know, you don't win in DFS or in your fantasy leagues by accident, by just picking uh, the big names or the stars. It's all about the preparation, the strategy, and we're here to help you mull through all of that to come out uh, to be as successful as you can. So uh, for Mike Apatria and myself, Coach, thank you again for joining us. Uh, let's work together and uh, prepare to crush this NBA season. Thanks again. We're out. See you later. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.